This episode was recorded well before we got the sad news of the death of René Aubergenois, who, in addition to playing Constable Odo on Deep Space Nine, had just an incredibly long and successful acting career that included parts like Father Mulcahy in MASH and, uh, and Chef Lewis in The Little Mermaid and Paul Lewiston on Boston Legal. He was really, really great, and he will be missed. And I think uh, <laughs> you record something like this not knowing exactly how to put how you feel about somebody that we've spent this much time with but didn't actually know personally. The death of an actor can be hard to process because an actor's life's work lives on well past the moment they're gone. And in the case of René Aubergenois, we have several more seasons of Deep Space Nine in which to appreciate his great work, and I'm glad that we do. So, uh, yeah, we're just thinking about, you know, everybody that knew and loved him and feeling uh, grateful that uh, we've been able to enjoy his work over the years and we'll get to continue enjoying his work. Among the family Rene leaves behind are his wife and children, as well as a whole lot of friends and fellow actors from through the years who are now sharing some really great and fond remembrances of him. And we definitely recommend you seek those out because they are putting together a picture of a man who was so much more than a great actor. He was, by all accounts, a great man. Truly. So we hope that everyone who knew him are comforted by his memory and uh, those that didn't know him continue to appreciate his great work as we will long into the future. René Aubergenois was 79 years old. He'll be missed. Uh, sorry to open the show on some bad news, and uh, sorry if we are the bearers of that news for you. Um, weird, weirdly, this is a very Odo-centric episode that uh, happened to come up today. So uh, uh, if you're still feeling sensitive, totally understood, but and <laughs> this is a very silly episode about Odo as well, so... Uh, you know, do that. Do with that information what you will. Uh, we are uh, sending love to his friends and family and coworkers, and uh, <laughs> on with the show, I suppose. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Commander Benjamin Cisco, Federation Starbase, Deep Space Nine. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast about Deep Space Nine by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast about Deep Space Nine. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. It's the first episode we are recording post-Thanksgiving. Ben, what are you thankful for? Oh, man, I'm I'm definitely thankful for this show and uh, the the friendship we've built amidst it. I mean, we were friends before, but it, I think in it's- In the it's, ruins of this show, the friendship that we've built? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think the show has inevitably brought us closer. Yeah. How could it not? We're like two podcast hosts stuck in a turbo lift. We've just got to, got to see this thing through. Choose a corner to be the toilet. This may take some time. Let's not waste it. I'm thankful for the people that make comments about the show online that don't hurt my feelings. Uh, there's very few of those anymore, Ben. <laughs> you know, 
you you suggested that we get like uh, five star comments that are questions about the show and then answer those questions on the show. Yeah, that'd be a good point. thing to throw out to the friends of DeSoto. Maybe we, that's an episode we can record and release uh, later on in December. I'm wondering if we've already suggested it. It seems like something we may have already said out, out loud. Well, here's the thing. If we have or we haven't, maybe it would be a good idea to restate or not. You and I had had come up with the great idea of of getting more iTunes ratings because you know, I think I think this is a show that that could be in the 10,000 five-star rating atmosphere and it's just not. Yeah, we're we, nowhere nowhere close to that. How do we goose our viewers into into five more five-star ratings and I think one of the best ways might be to give them something for it. Right. Like the answer to a question. Right. And uh, here's the thing. There seems to have been some sort of interface change on Apple Podcasts, and I don't I don't see any way to sort these by recent recency. Mm-hmm. So this could be this could be one of our classic greatest gen plans that it that is impossible before we even launch it. Right. <laughs> Right. So whether or not this works, we're going to encourage you to go to uh, Apple Podcasts. And before you say it, I know not everyone listens to our show via Apple Podcasts, but it just so happens to be the easiest way for us to comb through whatever the system is we're going to use for this Q&A. So listen, I know you that out there have strong feelings about what podcast app you choose to use, and that's fine. You don't need to tell us. Yeah, to each their own. To each I'm their a, own. I'm an overcastman, personally, and that's yeah. fine, too. And uh, and and bully to all of the p- people that click the little star in their Overcast app when they enjoy an episode of The Greatest Generation. That's right. great. So, so go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. That's crucial. Slightly less crucial, but still almost as crucial, is uh, leave a nice comment and a question that we can answer on the show, and we'll do our best to do that on an upcoming episode in December. Maybe we'll have Rob put on like a like a radiation proof suit and have him sift through <laughs> the reviews and find a couple that uh, that we can answer. When it's tough to do, ask Rob. That's, <laughs> that's the saying on Greatest Gen. Rob is more emotionally stable than either of us right now. Mm. So yeah, what makes you say that, Ben? Did you have a, a difficult Thanksgiving? Uh, my Thanksgiving was fine. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm actually I'm, I'm enjoying a Coca-Cola right now because I uh, I, I uh, my fitness goals. I was I was able to see through th- the Thanksgiving period and uh, and through to the other side. So I'm rewarding myself with a little cheat day. Hey, that's nice. Yeah. I ended up uh, frying a turkey for the first time. Oh, right. And this was kind of uh this was kind of something that got sprung on you, right? You didn't you didn't go into the into the day intending yeah. to fry a turkey. Speaking of cheating, I think the the cheat code to turkey cookery on Thanksgiving is most definitely the deep fry. Yeah. And uh, I was on my way to a family gathering where I knew that turkey frying would occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon arrival, I was field promoted to turkey fryer. You're the kind of person that I feel like everybody can feel a lot of confidence in. If like, hey, if this turkey frying shit needs a captain, 
like we can field promote Adam to that role and we are not going to be concerned about his competency. Yeah, but I mean, the here's the thing, like the expectation whiplash of cool, we're not hosting Thanksgiving this year. I'm going to go chill the most somewhere else and bring an awesome side. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly morphing into captain of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Is tough, especially is tough. when the especially when the edible takes hold. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, did did uh, do you have jazz gum complications? So, I mean, I had never done this before, and crucially, did not read about how to do it properly. Yeah, I mean, what I knew was you're that talking about taking a, a marijuana edible. Yeah. <laughs> The the joke the joke around the family at this event was boil the oil, and uh, oil's not a thing that boils. That's the joke. Yeah, we got our oil up to too low a temperature, clearly. And I here's the thing: when you're the captain of Thanksgiving, you need to shut out all of the other voices. Yeah, and be the captain. A ship cannot have more than one captain. And this was my problem. I put the turkey in before the oil was ready, and it resulted in a turkey that was not done. Mm. Hence, the double fried turkey that we ended up having. What's great <laughs> about a double fried turkey is that uh, you let the turkey rest, obviously, because I'm no dumb dumb. Mm-hmm. You, you let it rest, you carve into it. After taking its temperature and... It's temperature reading as done. We started the carve. Uh, it was clear. Those juices ran not clear. Mm. So, uh, so what we did is we uh, took the legs and the wings and shoved them into the orifice and then <laughs> and then re-lowered the turkey back into the oil. Wow, you made a turducken out of just turkey. This is a, uh image I think I sent you. I'm not sure because it is a... Very fun picture of a Thanksgiving crime. So we lowered the monstrosity back into the oil and My all of, God. <laughs> and all of its parts fried into each other. So it was <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it was a fucking mess, dude. This, and, this looks like something that would keep John Carpenter up at night. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a real existence looking. <laughs> <laughs> looking turkey it's uh it's it was a very cronenberg thanksgiving yeah. that we had uh turkey tasted fine the skin of course tasted awesome because that's what you get when you fry poultry skin yeah sides were awesome because sides are awesome and uh i mean here's the thing this is something that you and i know very very well uh a late dinner no matter how good the food feels pretty unsatisfying when people are expecting a dinner at x right and and you and dinner hits the table at x plus 150% so yeah not I had sort not of satisfying a, i had i had sort of a similar experience where i did 80% of the of the cooking for thanksgiving bird inclusive and i also got a false pause on my on my breast i i, I did the you know the probe into the breast and it read is that possible it read is done well here's the thing i got like one of those heirloom breed birds uh-huh. and it just had really deep breast meat like i i was putting it in what i thought like deep enough but not so deep that i was going to be touching cartilage on the other side and not so deep to put her ass to sleep if you right will. yeah this 
this bird had an LA face, but an Oakland booty. And uh, I, I just didn't, I didn't get anywhere close to the center of the, of the meat when I took its temp. So I was like, oh man, like I'm like, I'm like seven to 10 degrees over right now. That's I get this thing. thing out of the oven. Yeah. And then when I, you know, I rested it for 15 or 20 minutes and went to carve it. And like you said, I discovered, I discovered I had a medium rare bird. Yeah. It's deeply disappointing in that yeah. moment. This is why when Christmas comes around, I only cook a fine fat goose. Oh yeah. The goose doesn't give you that problem. You can nope. serve goose medium rare, huh? It's not a problem. You can serve goose medium rare. It's like duck. Well, that sounds pretty it's good. It's all dark meat. That's the beautiful duck. thing about goose. It's it's uh, you can cook it as long as you want. It's gonna be good, or you could like cut off the breasts and sear them and leave the inside raw, and that would be pretty good. Lord love a duck. Yeah. So do I. Wow. Well, lesson learned for next year, I guess. Uh, a long enough amount of time for us to forget <laughs> how this Thanksgiving went. Yeah. People are gonna be sick and tired of Thanksgiving talk by the time this comes out. Yeah, well... We're on to the next one. That's what the advanced 30 seconds button is for. Yeah. Up until they hear the music that tells them that we are about to talk about Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 17. It's a simple investigation. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. What's the worst that could happen? As a, a, like anything titled a simple X. X is yeah. never going to be as simple as the title implies, right? No. A, a simple plan. Yeah. A simple favor. Yeah. This this plan and this favor are not simple at all. No. Far from it. No, and that's a big surprise. Yeah. Every time. Here's the thing about the 90s, <laughs> and, and specifically the late 90s. Uh-huh. I don't believe you can costume a person with a garment over their heads without cornholio vibes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, they we know get what a, they're doing uh, here. Cornholio loafster. You know, he's like asking Siri what time it is. Computer. Time. I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. And sliding secret items into his sleeves. But uh this man obviously needs teepee for his bunghole. My bunghole will ask the questions. <clears throat> you know what an alt to this alien might be is that maybe it's not just a garment, like a headscarf or whatever. Maybe this alien just has great big traps. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of, he's like, uh, he's, he's like, uh, what's that X-Men guy? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what's he called? Uh, there's an X-Men guy that's always like running through walls and stuff. This guy's, what he's called. this guy's doing those shoulder shrugs big time, yeah. building up the traps. <laughs> yeah. That's what you got to do. That's what I learned from uh, someone who came through the line in Austin, yeah. uh, a group of Jim Shimodas with the G-Y-M spelling. Yeah. Some guy came through and he had tremendous traps. I couldn't help but uh, oh, comment yeah, on that. Oh, yeah, that guy did have uh, great big traps. And he's like, hey, man, all you got to do is do those shrugs. And I was like, I'm doing the shrugs. I'm not getting the traps. That guy was a trap king. <laughs> You know what it got me to do the very next time I went to the gym? I uh, I went up a lot of weight on those shrugs. Really? I'm going to get traps thick. That's what my goal is. Jesus. I'm not going to turn into a cornholio, though. I don't want that. Those those traps be too big. What is uh, What are people going to think of us when we go on stage and I have my regular old dad bod and you're all trapped out? 
Well, people are going to think we're trying to just work out our issues in our own specific and personal ways. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Uh, this is a fun instance of what do you do with the carpet after you phase vaporize a guy in their quarters? <laughs> we see this all the time in Star Trek. Someone gets a phaser set to gore shot at them. Juggernaut. He's- that's who I'm trying to think of. Juggernaut will flatten you. That's right. It is Juggernaut. That guy's got big traps. He's got a he's got a hat that that just goes out. He got an <laughs> he's got an obtuse angle on his hat. Yeah. You need that kind of hat if you got traps. His traps connect above his ears. I know. That's how See, big those, they are. Those are too developed. You don't want to fully develop your traps to that extent. That guy's got muscles where like Arnold Schwarzenegger would look at him and be like, ugh, gross. Anyway, shout out to all of our friends in the Jim Shimoda subgenre. Working those traps, but not too much. Yeah. Tasteful traps. Tasteful, tastefully trapped out. Uh-huh. This guy answers the uh, doorbell and a couple of aliens who look like they may be of the same planet, but maybe a different ethnic subgroup as that guy that Saul Rubinek is friends with in that episode where Data is one of all the toys. Is the gun one of them has the giveaway for that? I don't know. That gun... Seems like uh, that kind of gun. It's a prototype for a Veron T disruptor. He thought it was set to stun, but it was set to carpet singe. Yeah, and like a kid whose parents have left for a vacation, and then they've they've like had a party they need to clean up after, they are like, what do we do about this carpet stain? What do we do now? I thought it would have been fun if they'd gone into his shower and discovered a bottle of conditioner and gone, what is this? I don't think I get that. Because they have such dry, uh, frizzled hair. All right. They got a condition, Adam. All right. All right, I'm back. I'm back. They, they got to use that conditioner, especially if you're going to be in an episode like this. Yeah, and these guys uh, these guys are in a fair amount of it. Yeah. So this cuts uh, to a scene where Bashir walks up to some friends of his in the bar. Uh, it's Dax, O'Brien, and Odo, and uh, Bashir whips it out. It. It. Out. His uh, honey stick of a hollow program, and uh, he starts casting all the parts in this hollow program. They're all generally pretty excited about playing characters in Bashir's Jack fantasy. All of them, but Odo, who is uh, decidedly distracted today. It's a real wet, hot American summer type vibe. Like, why does Odo get so uncomfortable when we talk about hollow sweet stuff? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, why does Odo get so uncomfortable when Bashir walks up with a uh, container full of yellow liquid? Yeah. <laughs> Might be another question. Everyone's is that excited. one of my people or is that more piss? <laughs> oh, it's just a honey stick. I see, I see. It's very confusing. Yeah. He's an, he's an excellent investigator. This may be the deep, deep future, but it's encouraging to see how excited people remain about new video game day, right? Yeah. Like a very bespoke sounding video game, right? Like Bashir has a personal relationship with its creator. Yeah. He said it's the most elaborate program he's ever designed. Be like if you knew the person that made Jazz Horse and we're, and we're like, this is a lot like the old Jazz Horse. But it's way bigger. You would think that Quark would have a problem with this, right? Like, I would assume that he would want you to rent the video games from him and not Mm. bring your own. 
Is there a uh, honey stick corkage fee at Corks? Yep. That's what I think. <laughs> I really think so. And it's a scene that got cut. Yeah. That would have been nice. I mean, Cork gets a little tiny bit to do in this episode. He's trying to foist some food or drink on a lady that's sitting at the bar, which I think is a very reasonable request on his part. As the proprietor of a restaurant and bar, you know, every every seat needs to be generating revenue. This lady's just sitting there freeloading. I recently went to a, a like, I know you're going to hate this, but like <laughs> a, little, a little sandwich shop coffee bar place. No place to sit. Because every seat was occupied by a laptopper or some uh, shit like that. Yeah. I left. Some places have policies against laptoppers. I didn't order anything because there was no place for me to sit. It made me very sad. Quirk knows better. I, like, everybody knows I have, like, much harsher rules for myself about this than the rest of society does. But uh, I won't even look for a seat until I've ordered something at a coffee shop because I, I think it's unjust to occupy a seat before you're a customer. I actually totally agree with that. It's one of the the few areas of your self-flagellation that, <laughs> that I can get with. It's, uh, you know, it, it's like the categorical imperative applied to coffee shops, but it's, right. uh, you know, it works for me. I mean, it doesn't work. It's just how I choose to live my, <laughs> my joyless existence. <laughs> Uh, the lady at the bar that Quark is giving shit to is named Arissa, we'll find out later, and sh there is some flirtation confusion between she and Odo. Yeah. In that she thinks he is flirting with her, and he is tripping over himself to prove that he's not. He, uh, could be forgiven for being drawn to this woman, and she could be forgiven for assuming every man walking up to her has one thing on his mind. Right. Uh, she says something very funny in describing him, and that is uh, she describes him as having bedroom eyes. Yeah. If anyone I had ever slept with had bedroom eyes that look like this, <laughs> uh, I'd, be, I'd be getting dressed pretty fast and getting the hell out of Dodge. I remember distinctly the first time I ever heard that phrase was... Uh, my student film I was directing in college, and uh, the lead actress was uh, had to make out with a ninja. So it was it was kind of like a simulated makeout because the guy had a mask on, mm -hmm. and it just kind of like I needed to like I needed to get to a point where I like we believed that she would actually she was actually like into this ninja. And uh, she said, oh, I could just do bedroom eyes b before uh, before we kiss. And I was like, oh, what, what does that look like? And she did it at me. What? As, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that'll work. I always sort of assumed that bedroom eyes was either a thing you had or did not, not a power. To her, it was a facial expression she could put on. Huh. It was one of the tools in her acting Swiss Army knife, and it was very effective. Hmm. See, to me... Uh, Not a lot about that movie worked, but that scene did. <laughs> to me, bedroom eyes is just that thing where you wake up and you have a, a pillowcase crease across your face. <laughs> like a big scar. Golden cotton. The Golden cotton. So, Adam, this lady is played by Day Young, 
mm-hmm. who uh, people will remember from uh, the TNG episode Masterpiece Society. I used to go, uh, the nine and nine, now I'm going, uh, delicious. Yeah, who could forget? She's the, uh, she's the scientist that got to go on the entrepreneur and leave her, her uh, genetically planned community. You know, it's interesting how some faces can be unfamiliar just by virtue of a different hairstyle. Yeah. And if you look at pictures of both characters side by side, they look like very different people. But some faces, you you need loaf to obscure to make, to make an actor look different. And uh, the actor who plays this character uh, is is very chameleon like in that way. You know, it just, all it takes is a is a haircut for her. Yeah. And she looks very different. Her headshot on IMDb, she has red hair and couldn't look more different. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a more contemporary picture, and she's still working, from what I can tell. Uh, but uh, yeah, just just doesn't look the same at all. So uh, Odo is distracted enough to walk into a wall on his way back to the office. And then we pull back to reveal in the wide shot the two traps aliens from the very first scene giving their interaction barroom eyes (laughs) into show theme song. They're going to kill her. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Does not look good for Arissa. In the cargo hold uh, after the theme song, it's Odo and Kira inspecting some items and this is this is some uh some gawk trivia here gawk is transported live obviously because it's got to be consumed that way but i thought for sure i thought for sure it'd be it would be frozen for transport and then thawed. oh yeah put it in carbon knife that should not, be safe not the case it's live and we know this because a tentacle is reached out and grabbed kira is it a tentacle or is it one of the gawks? A tentacle grabbed my hand. Gawk. She's holding her hand out like, oh, I got tentacled. Is Are are, are all those gawks connected in a bowl of gawk? If gawk is strong enough to lift the lid on its container, is it also <laughs> smart like a cephalopod? Like, could it could it escape and, and leave? Oh, I, all right. I know cephalopods are smart, but don't try and gawk shame me. It's delicious, okay? Yum, yum, yum. And then, and then, like, from a food handler's permit perspective, like, is it okay that the gach touched just a random person on its way to your plate? That probably makes it more exciting for most Klingons, right? Yeah. Yeah, you probably want it touching a lot of people. You probably don't want to wash your hands before eating gach. You know, the late, great Anthony Bourdain famously wrote that, uh, there is risk involved in good eating, you know, and specifically he related this to oysters, which, you know, can occasionally make you sick. Right. They're amazing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I believe that the Klingons have built an entire cuisine around that premise. <laughs> this scene with Kira is a representation of everyone's feelings about Odo, which is if there's an opportunity for him to not be alone, he should take it. And so Kira is very encouraging of Odo seeing this mystery woman again. Yeah, I was really glad that they didn't write her as the woman that puts male colleague in the friend zone, but then also doesn't want him to date anyone else. Right, yeah. Like, I, th- I think that that's been a storyline on a lot of TV in a, in a way that's unfortunate. And, uh, and I liked that she was really encouraging of him, you know? Right. I know you're using that term 
uh, pejoratively too. Like that's like the friend zone isn't real. Also, yeah, right. I'm, I'm referring to people writing. Yeah, it's, as a, though it's, it a, is. it's a shorthand for for what we understand this to be on television shows for sure. Yeah. So, uh, given given this little push of encouragement, Odo heads back to his office and is delighted to find that Arissa has been arrested. <laughs> yeah, she's been arrested. <laughs> Right? I guess I guess I guess she has. I guess you have to put it that way. <laughs> She's arrested for breaking into a computer, and that's a thing that you can't do on Deep Space Nine, but it's made easier because she's got a port in her neck because she's yeah. a cyberpunk. She, she keeps scratching at this. She's got like a like a data port uh, venereal disease or something because Odo has designed the data interfaces on the station to cause itchiness, redness, and other forms of irritation to people that might attempt to penetrate his computer firewalls. R2-D2, you know better than to trust a strange computer. You can't just hot swap into the DS9 computers with your with your neck nubbin. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta pack a, a vest for your neck in the city of sex. <laughs> She's been waiting for someone named Tavid Rem. Uh, this is a person she describes as helping her find her daughter, a person that she gave up 15 years prior. So we begin on kind of a sob story for Arissa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the the data port is something that Odo looks on with great skepticism. Like why? Like that. That's basically gray market equipment. It should be illegal. Why would you get it if you weren't doing bad stuff? And the other part of the sob story is that she grew up on Finea Prime and she is a inherently untrusting person and a person who, you know, has some some real tough breaks in her past. I mean, this is like straight out of the film noir femme fatale playbook, right? Yeah, like, she does seem like a pretty fatal femme. Yeah. Uh, and she's got her mark here, too, because Odo, Odo strangely eats this up. He's ready to believe her, everything she says, even though she's committed a crime. In case you'd forgotten, I'm facing charges for trying to break into your computer. All it takes is her bedroom eyes to evoke this feeling from him. Speaking of film noir, it, it really struck me how straight this episode is shot. Mm. And I wondered if there was any temptation to make it more stylistic in the way of a noir. Because it, it really does. I mean, it's a Star Trek is a place episode that uses all the tropes of film noir to tell a story. Yeah. But they don't use the tropes of film noir to light it or unpack the action. I am happy about that choice. Uh, yeah, I guess I think... it makes it a little bit more subtle. Yeah. Yeah. So Odo takes it upon himself to protect Arissa. Uh, he starts by taking her to her new quarters, which is a fun bit of business because as soon as the doors close behind them, he has them transported to his own quarters, which in any other context would be hella creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I think that there are a few times in this episode where Odo's behavior verges into the creepy. Yeah. The uh, the idea is that she is in protective custody because the guy she was there to get this information from has been 
uh, vaporized. Right. But she's also in trouble for breaking into the dead guy's locker and finding this chip. I've been following you. I didn't know. That's. I think that's about when the explanation about the fact that she doesn't, in fact, have a daughter at all, and uh, her uh, her real reason for being there is on behalf of the Orion Syndicate, and uh, this is a criminal organization that she would like to leave very badly, but the Orion Syndicate doesn't take kindly to uh, defectors. There's no leaving the O Syndicate. Yeah. When you're in, you're in for life. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. A fucking pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Oh, oh, I don't use the bucket anymore. She drops this name, this uh, this guy named Drame is who she works for or or is trying to get herself out of working for. Yeah, and she and, doesn't uh, want to be flushed down the Drame. She admits to living the life of a kind of a hacker type. She hacks mm-hmm. with her body, mm-hmm. hacking for money. Yeah. She does what Drame wants her to do. And this protective custody is a way for Odo to make sure that she's safe. Makes me think, like, Odo could protect her in a lot of ways without just keeping her in his quarters, right? Yeah. He could, like, uh, put her on a runabout. There. We've seen a couple of uh, shots of the station where there's like a, you know, Voyager class starship in orbit around it. Like that yeah. seems like a pretty safe place to s- keep somebody away from the Orion Syndicate. Hey, Worf, would you <laughs> mind if one other person stayed on the little D with you? She, she could even stay on the other side of the ship. Yeah. Not going to make much noise. Um, no. They do turn up this data crystal that... Uh, it's it's just a MacGuffin. It's like, what is this information? We're going to have to decode it and find out. And that's part of why the protective custody is just buying some time while this data crystal, which is very heavily encrypted, is uh, is worked over by Dax and O'Brien. God damn it! Hate this hacker crap! This relationship between Arissa and Drame was pretty toxic because while she started off as a cam girl, Drame ended up being one of... Uh, one of her biggest clients. Yeah. And this is a this is a kind of cam girling that made them very close. And then uh, Drame started using her contacts against them. So, like like he would take her contacts and manipulate steel from and kill those people. Pretty dangerous person, this Drame. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they do a good job of every time her story changes. You never feel like she was the bad actor in those stories. God, that is such magic here because that happens, I feel like, three or four times fairly early on in the episode, and you should give up on her as a viewer, but you just never do. You're like, this lady that works for this criminal syndicate (laughs) seems like a bad person. No? No? And not only that, but like Odo should look fucking dumb for trusting her and he doesn't look dumb. Yeah, he Or at least as dumb as he should. He's obsessed with her and he's pretty thirsty too, like You keep threatening to have me stripped down and examined. I'm trying not to read too much into that. He he starts talking about like I will I will quit my job and protect you personally so that you can testify against Drame. And she's like, "Wow, that's like kind of an absurd offer given how dangerous that would be." And that's sort of when it comes out that this is something that Odo sees as an opportunity for doing 
some penance for those moments when he was collaborating with the Cardassians where he kind of looked the other way on some pretty severe injustices. She's super blown away by his offer and he's like, look, I I live forever, so it's actually not that big of a sacrifice. <laughs> I've been told I can get my old job back. No matter how long it takes to work back to this point. I actually oversaw the execution of three innocent people and still kept my job. <laughs> now that's job security. I'm really not concerned about it. I can't state that emphatically enough. <laughs> Anyways, I've got to go ask perhaps the most unlikely character on the show for some dating advice. Bye-bye. Right. He basically leaves a conversation with her, goes directly to the hollow suites, and this is a great scene because yeah. Bashir is in a moving car and Odo is outside of this moving car. What we don't see or hear is Odo flintstoning his legs outside the limo. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how bad I wanted to re-edit this scene with just that pattering of foot sound effect outside the car. Yeah. It's great. There's a uh, there's a Nicholson Baker novel called The Fermata where this character gets the superpower of being able to snap his fingers and freeze time. And he mostly uses it to like write erotic novels and leave them in women's purses. But as you would, <laughs> you know, he, he is definitely not using it to fight crime or do anything good. Yeah. But uh, there's one moment where he freezes time while he's on the highway and he looks down and the road is like still blurry. <laughs> And, and he's like debating whether he's going to like kill himself if he steps on it. Oh, and wow. I wondered that like in the hollow suite, like, is it just giving you the impression that your car is moving or is it actually like moving holograms past your car and under it? What's the thing that's moving? Yeah. It's a good question. But Odo gets in the car and, and this is a very season five technology asking Bashir for dating advice. Like he is the last person that you would go to in any other season of this show. But I think it makes a credible person for Odo to be addressing these questions to. Should Dr. Bashir be genetically able to seduce better than most people? Mm, he can like emit those pheromones that they sell in the back of CD magazines. I mean, either that or if he's been genetically edited to be better than a normal person, wouldn't wouldn't one of the betterments be in seduction? <laughs> His dad is like uh, talking to the doctor and he's like, what about if he had a great big crank? <laughs> Free testicles. <laughs> and just like really nice looking, like beautiful, not, not lumpy in any way. Bashir gives one of the great short but powerful monologues that his character ever gives. It's he makes the case against regret as a concept. He's like, do the thing that's hard because trying and failing is better than not trying and regretting it. And it's great advice. It's great advice for anyone. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It's the right advice and said well, you know, like there, you know, it's it's basically no risk, no reward, but also you don't want to look back at all the opportunities that you didn't put yourself forward for. The end of this scene, uh, a eye-patched O'Brien peeks his head through the window with a pistol, and it's great. What's great about the scene is O'Brien does not break character. 
<laughs> ever. This isn't fair. Odo and I were talking. Didn't anyone ever tell you you shouldn't stop for hitchhikers? He's the one that was sort of reluctant about being the bad guy, too. And he's like, if you're going to make me be the bad guy, I'm going to be the bad guy full time. So he, he is. He wants to enjoy himself. Yeah. Odo goes back to his quarters and finds that Arissa is still awake. And uh, he could become a bed, probably, <laughs> if she was uncomfortable with the mattress that he had. Yeah. How, how firm would you like it? <laughs> um, and and I, that could go for the mattress or the penis I create. <laughs> Why even have a bed if you're me? I mean, really. <laughs> I've thought about this. I mean, it's it's a guest bed, but I could be the guest bed, and therefore, wouldn't that just be preferable to anybody because I can customize it? The uh, the sculpture in the middle of my room is actually a fold-out. <laughs> Get a load of this. I could be anywhere from 250 to 7,000 thread count. Up to you. The thing about a fold-out bed is that it's not a great sculpture and also not a great bed. It's the worst of both worlds. <laughs> what are you doing now? Exactly. They get down, Adam. God, you just know that Odo can fill her up, <laughs> right? And she's his first. How is it that Odo can't make a plausibly human face but makes totally realistic nipples? What comes out of Odo when he nuts? Probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she, he asks her, like, uh, like, did I do okay? Like, I think... I think for your first time, it's worth getting it on the table that it's your first time before you start. I think a changeling should have total confidence. He's He could basically make a vaginal cast inside of her. <laughs> like, like, there is Would no... Would that be good, though? <laughs> I don't know. Does he even have to thrust, or can... Can his dong, like, mechanically work it out without him needing to do that? <laughs> he can just turn himself into a Sibian? God, he really could, couldn't he? Yeah. Changelings have to be the best lovers in the universe. This like, made me wonder, like, like she says he was, like, he was, he was good at it. And it makes me wonder, like, has he practiced in the hollow suite? I wonder if they ever toyed with the idea of her being just fucking blown away by his sexual prowess. Like, <laughs> like totally worked out. Like, like woo! Like, holy shit! Like, Odo, I do not believe you because, whew, <laughs> mama wrecked. <laughs> I read a fun bit of trivia about this scene, which is that uh, Rene Abergenois shaved his body for this scene. Yeah. I believe it. Dolphin shape. Yeah. Speaking of Jim Shimoda, looking pretty toned in this scene. Good for him. Yeah, he does look good. Do you think that they put like foundation makeup on on his body? Oh, that's a good question. To like smooth it out? Yeah, you know what? And I bet you could get away with that in a pretty great way because of his face, right? Yeah. One nice thing about being a changeling is no refractory period, right? <sighs> Does he does he come like does he experience sexual release? They should have had him do this when he was human. Yeah. Like when he had a human body. 
Yeah. Too many unanswered questions like this. The reverie he's in is very believable, right? Like he seems to have enjoyed this almost as greatly as he enjoyed the golden handshake. He's got bedroom eyes and pillow talk to go with. Too bad I'm not a changeling. Oh, we shouldn't let that stop us. Back at Ops, Kira and Dax are gossiping. They know what's going on, and so does everyone else. Yeah. Worf is do, pissed that he knows what's going on. Do you think Do you think everyone on the station knows because they heard it? <laughs> he, let, he, he let it go after so long. He was so pent up. O'Brien's like, oh, I'll be working on the plumbing for weeks after that. <laughs> You're not supposed to throw the rubber in the toilet, Odo. He could self-rubber. He's the dick and the rubber. But if he self-rubbers, does isn't he just still touching her? Technically. You know what? Eve he can he can he can have safe sex, but he can also have it both ways because he feels everything. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't he he he, he can't lean on the argument that uh, it doesn't feel as, as intimate. She's like, I'm gonna need you to use protection, and he's like, um, I'm <laughs> I'm allergic to latex, but good thing for me, boop, I'm using lambskin now, Yeah, which is also me. And she's like, ah, oh, that's kind of gross. I don't really want that in there. Do you prefer foreskin or cut? <laughs> or we could try it both ways and you could let me know going forward. Wow. Everything's on the table. Yeah. He's a great lover, because she seems pretty happy, too, and that's that's important. Length, girth, or both. Kira and Dax are gossiping, but not about his sexual prowess, just that, hey, good for Odo. Yeah. Fi- finally getting some. And yeah. uh, this sort of gossip is without honor to Worf. And besides, Odo is quite capable of taking care of himself. Sisko likes it. That's nice. I didn't like that look for Sisko. This yeah, is not a post-gossip future. The gossip is not scarce. No. That's like, that's another running theme through the episode. Like the f- the fact that information is getting back to Odo through other people. Like, like pe- you know, Kira heard it from O'Brien, who heard it from Bashir, who heard it from Dax, who heard it from Odo, you know? Like right. It, all of these, like Odo's mm. business is in these streets. This is small town Deep Space Nine. And you know, like playing the telephone game, that the story is just getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> like, did you hear Odo's crank is like four feet long? He actually strangled her with it. He's got a giant blue Dr. Manhattan dong. <laughs> did you hear he has nipples? What the fuck? <laughs> There's a little dot on the exterior circle of his areola, just like Dr. Manhattan. He's got like a whole Dr. Manhattan thing. We're in fucking trouble. Arissa goes to give him a little bit of a pinky and she's like, there's there's nothing here. <laughs> I was like, there can be if you want. <laughs> she's like, whoa, way too big. Way, way too big. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to put my whole fist up there, Odo. I'm lightly kinky. Odo's like, shrunken butthole. Regular size. (laughs) 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 What's happening in Ops is that Odo's late, and that never happens. He finally shows up for this meeting with Cisco, and that's the time. Better him than Arissa. Am I right? Oh! (laughs) 
this gives Arissa just enough time to uh, jack back into the computer again. Yeah, jacks into the mainframe. Yeah. Transmits some code. And we cut to the uh, the cargo hold where the two assassin guys are hanging out. And uh, they say, The woman asked to make a deal. She gives us the crystal. Dream lets her go. There seems to be sort of a smart alien and a dumb alien. So we don't have to kill her. Don't be stupid. It really is a uh, George and Lenny situation with them, huh? Yeah. These interstitial scenes with these two just serve to remind us that Arissa is in danger. I think I think they carry a crucial weight. Like, Because without them, Arissa would just be jacking into computers and jacking Odo. Right. And they do feel dangerous because they, uh, they, they don't seem competent per se, but they have done a murder and are still at large on the station, you know? And they don't present as being fearful of anything or anyone. Right. So it's at about this moment that uh, another uh, Cornholio comes to Odo's office. Ah, CP! You must give me your CP! This is an operative in the Danian government. He's like a... He runs Arissa as a spy, and he explains that the memory chip is in fact the uh, the Katra, the, the backup of her of her mind because she was altered to look human and then sent to infiltrate the Orion Syndicate without her memories because uh, one of the things that uh, Drame does is he has telepaths like trawl people's memories to make sure that they aren't spies trying to infiltrate his, his syndicate. It's real clever. It's super clever, but... Everyone I know has a big but. This is the worst possible outcome for an embedded spy, right? Like, you must keep the spy with her mind erased away from the chip that has her mind in it, right? Yeah. Why is she getting so close? She is, uh... They yeah, don't she, explain that, is yeah. is my point. And it, I, I guess I'm not quite clear on why she became interested in getting this crystal. Yeah. It, the Idanians really should never have let the crystal out of their sight. No. No, it's it's bad crystal method on their part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so with this explanation being made, uh, Odo's like, well, shit, we better get that that data chip back. Yeah. Uh, but when they get to the science lab, they find O'Brien's been KO'd because I guess in the science lab, you aren't allowed to have a pistol to yeah. defend yourself like you do in the hollow suite. Well, and Arissa's is gone too. Arissa's doing those roundhouse kicks, you know? Yeah. We cut to the cargo bay and it's Arissa and the two Finians having an interaction and they're uh i mean arissa initially believes that the deal is going to go off without a hitch and she will be safe but it's it's the lenny alien on the scene that puts her life in danger tell me again what kill is george right uh she she doesn't see him there he has uh hiding behind a crate and uh, here's the thing when you do blackjack dealer hands to prove that that you're not carrying yeah. Uh, there is no version of that that uh, that shows you aren't carrying a second person with a gun with you. <laughs> right. This is like exactly like uh, Dr. Bashir, I presume, where there's just no consideration given to the fact that there are other 
places in the room that you can't see. Arissa's a terrible spy. Yeah. Like she would have been killed dozens of times. But up she until doesn't now. think she's a spy. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is part of the muddiness to her character, I think. Yeah. So uh she's got the chip. She's uh just about to hand it over when Odo who has uh, concealed himself as like a crate up on the second level, uh, goes gold and uh, and they together knock knock these two guys out. They're going to hurt you until you're dead. That's what kill is. What? Why, why did you tell me it was sleeping and then having pancakes? And uh, the day is saved. Kind of a slapdash fist fight, though. Like, it does not seem like a foregone conclusion that they're going to win when this when this gets going. It feels very A-team to me. Like, the door's open. They're like, whoa? Yeah. He jumps off the tap rope. It's over very quickly. And then it's a close-up of the chip going into her neck under the uh, under the supervision of Dr. Bashir, who is basically reinstalling her memories. It's got to be weird for Dr. Bashir to add memories to a person instead of taking them away, right? <laughs> well, you know, like Odo is uh, trying to seek some uh, some penance for bad actions in his past, and maybe Bashir is as well. <laughs> Much like a vasectomy, I was told that lobotomy was irreversible. <laughs> Bashir mentions that, that this is just the first step in the process. Like, he's going to wheel her into surgery. And at this moment, I was like, surgery for what? Are they going to take out the port? But yeah. no, they re-loaf her. They loaf her back up. Because she's a traps alien. Yeah. She's given her own hood, and she comes back to uh, say her farewells to Odo and uh, explains that she's actually a married woman. Yeah, this is... <laughs> She comes back to basically scorch the earth. Like, Odo doesn't need this. I don't know what... Like, she's definitely not there to provide comfort. And she's, I guess, there to provide closure. What I'm trying to ask is, why is she here? Like, what is her motivation to do this? Yeah, she says that thing about, like, that like that was a real person and she really loved you. And still does in a way. And I wondered which of those two things she was referring to. Right. Like, is she saying that that person is still, to some extent, a part of her personality? Or is she saying that as a traps alien, she loves him a little bit, but not as much as her husband? Do you think part of the surgery that Bashir did on her was putting her totally wrecked vag back together? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Bashir's like, you know, uh, I was only expecting to work on the loaf, but I I do have extra loaf. (laughs) And uh, by the looks of things, yee. (laughs) You had a a little bit too much fun. Yeah, like post-surgery Arissa, and that's not her name, clearly. She's never going to forget Odo. Yeah. In a number of ways. She's going to be taking that with her wherever she goes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this this does seem like a scene that is optimized to be the most hurtful to Odo. Every time Arissa takes a strain-free poop, uh, <laughs> she'll know. <laughs> That's the Odo effect. I hit it from the front and I hit it from the back. <laughs> but when you're Odo, you hit it from the front and the back at the same time. To the window, to the walls, 
Dull gold drips down my balls. When the person who was Arissa leaves, uh, she leaves Odo to be alone while the single flute of being forever alone plays. <laughs> and that's it. We fade to black and then credits. That's our ep. That is the ep. Pretty sad. Did you like the ep? Where has this Odo been the whole time? The Odo that is cool and confident and professional around a woman he likes? I was thinking a lot about it, Ben, and I think the difference is that Arissa flirts and Kira doesn't, right? Hmm. I, I can think of a lot of moments in my life, in my, in my romantic and sexual history, where it really helped when the other person hit the ball back, when yeah. you didn't feel like you were lifting the entire weight of flirtation. And yeah. I think that makes a difference. So Arissa plays the game, and it and it makes it easier for Odo to get in there, and and well, play I mean, as she's well. She's interested in a way that Kira does not appear to be. So yeah, I think Arissa's a great femme fatale, and she runs that game from that femme fatale playbook in a way that is fun. Like, like she picks out a the perfect mark, and she does all of that looking away while talking that a femme fatale does. Like. I yeah. I did not laugh at her. I laughed with her in all those scenes, like the turn away, yeah, manip- manipulation that is just so on brand. Yeah, it's like it's like simultaneously a heavy episode and a light episode, right? And I like that is a tricky thing to pull off, where it's like I I didn't feel like the episode was asking a ton of me emotionally, but uh, but I I felt what the characters were going through, and and I enjoyed. Like the, I, I enjoyed the adventure of it, you know. Yeah, especially because the genre ep can be re- can feel really hack and yeah and cheesy. And I think, you know, getting back to your observation earlier, I think not shooting it in a noir way helped it not feel that way. Right. It they it didn't it didn't uh, pot up the cheese in the way that Star Trek occasionally can when when they're doing an emphatically genre episode. Yeah, it's crazy to say that about an episode where you see Odo's nipples that they didn't <laughs> that they that there were limits that they chose not to not to experience, but yeah. Yeah, yeah fun. Do you want to see if we have any priority one messages? Got to do that. Let's see if these priority one messages have nipples, Ben. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental link. Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message comes from Andy K, and it is for Adam and Ben. Sounds like it's for you and me. Okay. Love those Mes- guys. Message goes like this. I've been a viewer. Well, I love one of them. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, I, the other ones, you know, I'm, I'm indifferent. Honestly, I love neither. <laughs> message goes like That's this. That's very hurtful. I've been a viewer of this silly, embarrassing podcast since the beginning, but Adam's song, Ben's Gonna Talk About Africa, is the single dumbest thing I have ever heard on the self-proclaimed work of idiots. I literally cried with laughter. Thank you. I love you guys. Wow. A well-deserved P1 of praise for my official theme song on the on the program. I mean, that that cuts both ways, right? Praise for the dumbest? Yeah. We have a lot of this show left to do in the years ahead, but uh, it appears as though, according to Andy Kay, I'm the, I am the leader in the clubhouse Yeah. Uh, for dumbest thing ever heard. So thanks, Andy Kay. Adam, our second priority one message is from Kingsman, 
And it's to Ben and Adam. Another P1 for us. Hmm. So uh, nobody out there uh, had a birthday this week, apparently. (laughs) There are so many people in our viewership right now that are so angry. Think about those people and how how hurt they must be right now. And then head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and make things right. Yeah, I'm looking at our schedule in the weeks ahead. Uh, Looking pretty open. Yeah. Sneak in there with a Jumbotron. Get in it. The the message uh, from Kingsman to us is just a single symbol, very short message, and it is uh, the Egyptian hieroglyph for a phallus. Hmm. You know what? Is, for this episode, that is well-timed. Yeah. This is the second penis image we've seen in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Yeah, it's a it's a Unicode character too. So if you have if you have a you know a certain version of Unicode that includes the hieroglyphics, there's a dick hieroglyphic apparently. Hmm. I'm, I'm I'm looking through this here. There's also one of a dick with some drips coming out of it. You know, uh, dick hieroglyphics is my favorite indie <laughs> rap group. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a wrong thing to be addicted to the dick like a heroin fiend. <laughs> you know, our uh, our priority one message spreadsheet suggests uh, our viewership might have predicted the end of the world happening uh, after at or around December thirtieth. It is uh, not a lot after that. Yeah. I, don't, I can't explain it. Get on, uh, get on those twenty twenty P ones, guys. Yeah, it's easy to do. Just go on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, both of which are a great way to support the ongoing production of this program. Gotta get that, get that gold press action. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. 
And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey Adam. It's that Ben. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, for me it's O'Brien. I love the passive aggression of a guy playing a character he doesn't want to play in that Holosuite program. Never breaking character even when it's totally appropriate to do so. He's like He's like, I didn't want to be eye patch guy, but good luck getting me not being, not to be eye patch guy. Yeah. From now on, fuck you guys. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. What about you, Ben? My drunk Shimoda is Odo, and it's for when the guy that is her handler that shows up, the spy handler, and uh, explains what what her job was and that she's been a deep cover secret agent for two years. Odo is like, but that's so dangerous. <laughs> like, he gets pissed off that a spy had a dangerous job. And uh, I just feel like Odo knows that spies are spies do dangerous shit. Yeah, he knows better. He does dangerous shit. He's not even a spy. You want to know real danger? Try having sex for the first time. <laughs> Try participating in a hollow sweet video with Julian Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be ducking all kinds of fluids flying all over the place. Wow. Uh, one thing we can't possibly duck is our very next episode. Ben, how, what are we going to see and how are we going to watch it? Well, I'll tell you what, what we're going to see. Why don't you head over to gach.biz slash game and uh, fire up the game of buttholes, the will of the prophets. We are going to be watching Season 5, Episode 18, Business as Usual, 
jumping at the chance to finally erase his debts, Quark accepts a position working for an arms dealer. I mean, Quark has always sort of worked for arms dealers, right? Yeah. This is just making it official? I guess. Hmm. Well, our little runabout is on square 52, and uh, two squares ahead is a Quark's bar. A couple squares after that is a looking at each other during. So. Oh, man. Those are the stakes of the roll. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. And here we go with that. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Well, what I have rolled has landed us on square 55, which is the meat between a sandwich between a Quark's Bar episode and a looking at each other during. So, face to face to the left of us, a joker to the right. Hmm. Here we are, stuck on square 55 in a regular old episode, Ben. Wow, a regular one. How about that? I'm looking forward to Reg App. Yeah, you and me both. Just as I'm looking forward to signing off with another classic segment of us reading our own credits. <laughs> the viewers out there may be surprised to learn that we've never read the credits to this show. We just make them up on the fly. Yeah, we try to remember the parts of it. Sometimes we forget a part. Sometimes we forget to thank somebody that we couldn't have done this without. Yeah, we're doing our best. Doing our best to thank, first and foremost, all of the friends of DeSoto who go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. How about this idea? As a holiday present to a loved one, get them a a membership at MaximumFun.org slash donate so that they can listen to all the bonus episodes and stuff. Yeah, what you'd be giving them is a box full of bonus episodes. So many bonus episodes. Uh, Probably in the hundreds network-wide, but just for the Uxbridge-Shimoda family of shows, uh, probably probably near a dozen at this point, right? Oh, more than a dozen. Several dozen, maybe. Dozens? Yeah, maybe two dozen. It's possible we're north of 20 bonus episodes at this point. Yeah, that's value right there. That's value for your... $5 contribution every month. Come on. Yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. It's true. Uh, We also really got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made our custom theme music. Of course, he based it on the music of Dark Materia, which is our original theme music. And then Adam Ragusea went on and became a celebrated YouTube cooking celebrity. And uh, you can check out his, uh, his cooking videos on YouTube. You just search Adam Ragusea. I celebrate him every time I make a chicken parm. It is a good thing to do. You season the cutting board, Ben. <laughs> That's what you do. And you uh, cook it in wine. Every time. Every time. Uh, we got to thank our buddy Bill Tilly, who makes trading cards, collectible trading cards that you can collect by following him on Twitter at BillTilly1973 or uh, going to his Tumblr I think he's getting them up on the Facebook occasionally these days. Bill uh, Tilly is really the wine that we cook this show in, right? Yeah. Speaking of social media, uh, join uh, the the Jim Shimoda group. Join the regular Greatest Gen Facebook group. Join the Reddit. Join all the things. They're cool people. Did you say Jim Shimoda with a G? Yeah. Yeah. Double shout out. Double shout out to Jim Shimoda. All my weightlifting Jim Shimodas out there working on those traps. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation, which is moving on from Traps Day. 
and is working on arms instead. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.